Mature, Mature content. content. Listener discretion is advised. And blessings, fellow journeying tarot nerds. Welcome and thanks for tuning in to the TV and Tarot Talk podcast, where we chill, chat, and tarot. I am your host, Naya Thrice. And I'm Meg Watson. The aim of this podcast is to explore tarot in a chill, casual, and fun way through the lens of TV and pop culture. TV and Tarot Talk podcast is meant to be a safe place to explore concepts, as stories and shows can serve as a shared experience to build an understanding from. For this set of The Walking Dead episodes, we will only be covering the 22 major arcana cards and a few bonus episodes sprinkled in before deep diving into another TV series. This is a rewatch spanning the whole of the AMC's The Walking Dead universe, so beware because spoilers are ahead. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Warning! 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 Spoiler! And now for your hosts. Hello and welcome, beautiful people. This is episode 9. In today's episode, we'll be exploring the Hermit card. And do you get earworms, Meg, when you see certain cards when I think of the hermit? I, oh, my brain just goes, this little light of mine. <laughs> I'm good. I, I just, I can't. It always, every time, every time. I'm um, not going to try to no. sing right now, too. My voice is oh, yeah. a mess. It's, yeah. it's early. Yeah. <laughs> How has your couple of weeks been? A little. Oh, it's been a weird couple of weeks. You know, spring coming in, but here in Minnesota, it's been like 30 degrees and then 50 degrees like two days later. Oh, my God. Speaking of little <laughs> lights. Yeah. Same thing with the weather over here. It's kind of like some days it's like in the 60s, but then it's like in the 30s overnight. Our pilot light and our furnace went out. Oh, so no. the little light that keeps the whole house warm. <laughs> All right. See, we have to suffer through these things for you guys. You know that, right? <laughs> As Tara loves to play games and manifest itself. Yeah, that's the truth. I think that's a hermit reverse moment. <laughs> um, yeah, and we can't get the pilot light to come back on either. So oh. thankfully, it's not midwinter. And, yeah. you know, it's warm enough um, where we could open get the heat into the house during the day and then just it kind of cools overnight but it's not Mm -hmm. too crazy but yeah that happened too (laughs) (laughs) oh man yeah it's that weird part of the year man yeah we're all just kind of starting to wake up Mm -hmm. it's been a long winter it has been a long winter and speaking of spring, I think a lot of people know that I like to like veggie garden and stuff. I'm taking a year off from veggie gardening so that I can just, it's too much right now. 
there's a lot of things going on. I am I'm loving doing the podcast and focusing on that. And there's just some other yard kind of projects that need to get done. So I'm just gonna pause the veggie stuff. So no f- no garden f- food porn this year for me. I <laughs> <laughs> but maybe you'll get pretty flower porn, right? So yeah here for that yeah (laughs) oh goodness gracious okay i have a question before we before we get into like you know the the episode proper (laughs) for the hermit there's one of the keywords for the hermit is guidance right Mm -hmm. well what is the difference between the guidance from the Hierophant and the Guidance from the Hermit. Ooh. Oh, I like that. I think the the most obvious one for me is Guidance from the Hierophant is coming from um, an external source and Guidance from the Hermit is coming from an internal source, mm. which can seem like an outside source. Um, that's actually in my notes for this episode. Um, oh. And that comes down to synchronicity, that it's recognizing something that you are realizing on an internal level because it's being reflected in an outside circumstance. Okay. Yeah. Whereas I think the the higher fan is more, um, you're aware that it's fully an external guidance. Right. Like on the psychological level of the cards. uh, Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was I was the way that my brain kind of perceived the the question was um, more in terms of persons. So, so guidance from the hierophant for me would be like you know wisdom that comes from like your pastor or your preacher. Like if you go to church, mm-hmm. or whoever's given that particular sermon or wherever you worship because it is a certain kind of conventional wisdom and stuff but maybe yeah, it's got that tradition to it right but maybe i was just trying to think about it, but maybe there's like your neighbors like a solitary witch practitioner and also has life wisdom that they can provide mm-hmm. you and then that would be like guidance or wisdom from the hermit yeah kind of thing because yeah. it's outside of what's conventional for or intuitive societal yeah. purposes like i don't know no like institutional purposes versus mm-hmm. yeah okay well that was a good like <laughs> brain teaser to start off the episode <laughs> what do you guys think let us know i have in my notes about the supernatural reading oh yeah we were talking about doing uh readings for tv shows and i was saying that the most accurate intuitive reading I have ever done was for Supernatural. <laughs> um, it was the point when um, the Winchesters are trying to figure out how to get Lucifer back into the cage. And it was between seasons. I think it was like four and five, maybe. Okay. Um, anyway, they're trying to figure out how they're going to get him back in the cage. And I was like, okay, well, between seasons, I'm going to pull some cards, do a quick reading. I don't remember most of the spread. I do remember pulling the last card um, the, as a clarifier um, because I had asked, you know, what 
what's going to happen? What's, what do they need? And I was like, well, there's going to be information that comes along that's going to be vital and change everything. And it was like, okay, well, where's that information going to come from? And I pulled judgment Mm -hmm. and I had just been reading about, um, the archangel associations in the Rider Waite and, um, how there are specific archangels associated with the angels in the, um, major arcana Uh and the one for judgment is gabriel and the first thing that popped in my head was okay well gabriel's gonna have information that's gonna change everything right and i'm like okay well we'll just set that aside go back and start watching the show again and sure enough who tells them that there are keys to the cage and how to go about getting them where they are gabriel Mm, okay i was like that that Oh my God, Taro is just so on point. It's creepy. <laughs> yeah, it was one of those like pause the show and just sit there for a second, like what? <laughs> That's pretty awesome. All right, housekeeping. Uh, we've we've got a couple of spreads up for um, locations for within The Walking Dead. Um, more will be coming, so definitely check us out on Instagram at Taro underscore Nerds. Cool. And if you're liking this podcast, please leave us some feedback. Don't forget to subscribe, you know, give us those five stars. And if you think we need improvement somewhere, let us know. Speaking of housekeeping, um, we are super fangirls when it comes to TV and tarot. And so I think me and Meg have been, or Meg and I have been aware that we can get a little bit rambly because we get excited (laughs) so what we're gonna do in this episode is we're gonna try a slightly different format to try to just be a little bit more concise with time and points um let us know if you like this better or you just rather us be conversational and just riff with it (laughs) and i love that we're doing this for the hermit episode which is the virgo card (laughs) Right, the the assessing what we've done so far and trying to refine it, right? And getting it organized. <laughs> yeah, getting it all the, all the way situated. <laughs> okay, um, don't forget we have a send voicemail button on tarotnerds.com where you can send up to 90 second voice messages to let us know to chime into the show. Or even if you just want to give us some feedback on the on the low low, um, just let us know that. And We would love to hear from you. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Since we have the hermit on deck, let's get into some keywords. All righty. We have solitude, spiritual enlightenment, introspection, seclusion, soul searching, contemplation, wisdom, inner guidance, reflection, meditation, teacher, guide, guru, activating the unconscious mind, withdrawal from society, transition, spiritual quest, psychological journey, personal development, the inner self, maturity, father time, memory, foresight, uh, finding one's own light, going inward, quiet study, patience, discretion, attention to detail, self-examination, seeking deeper truth, bringing knowledge into light, comfortable silence, the need for psychological space, Voluntary isolation, analytics and logic, and reflection. And for the reverse, we have exile, 
isolation, loneliness, withdrawal, retirement, depression, forgetfulness, delay, obstacles, feeling rejected, self-absorption, fear of intimacy, rashness, disregarding wise counsel or rejecting good advice, aloofness, suspicion, or and or self-deception. As a person, a hermit's a hermit, <laughs> a monk, <laughs> a monk, an elder or an older person, a wise person, teachers or mentors, a solitary or recluse, a widow or a widower, historians, an expert witness, and a timekeeper of some sort. So like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Like a referee, like a referee, right? They're like a timekeeper. Oh, okay. For, yeah. yeah. Um, but, but also, well, I guess historians, I already said that, but yeah, stuff like that. Um, in reverse, you, you for persons, you would have like asocial people, um, exiles, lonely people, or irresponsible people. Mm-hmm. And uh, the astrological attributions, it's the zodiac sign of Virgo. And Virgo is ruled by Mercury. Oh, and before we move on to our points real fast, in the introduction, I realized that I never gave my astrological three. Oh, I don't think I did either. You did. I didn't. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm not trying to hide it, y'all. Um, <laughs> so I'm a, I'm a Taurus sun. Okay, I'm Western tropical zodiac. I'm a Western sun. Uh, Aries moon and a Virgo rising. And there you have it. <laughs> um, okay. Now, connecting the hermit to the show, Meg, you may start with your first point. Okay. Well, first of all, I want to point out the that for the hermit, it's a choice to be outside of society. It's not an exile per se. It's the decision to take yourself out of society and to, to do, you know, go inward um, on this journey. So keeping that in mind, we have Morgan to start who keeps choosing to go off on his own. Mm-hmm. And it's always for the purpose of, you know, kind of figuring his shit out, trying to find that inner stillness, the, the purpose and his moral center. Mm-hmm. particularly the moral center. Um, he, When he has those kind of, I guess, slips back into the the clearing mode. Oh, yeah, yeah. And knowing that that's not where he wants to be and having delusions that are, you know, dead people talking to him, telling him, like, the darker thoughts that are in it, like, in, rather than owning them himself he's projecting them onto dead people and having those points of view reflected back at him that way mm-hmm. and i think that's you know part of the psychological aspect of of the hermit card and the the going in and and confronting the different parts of yourself yeah definitely um i also love that morgan you know his signature item is a staff mhm i just have to point that out because <laughs> Uh, even if he's like all masked up, you just know that it's him, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, he definitely goes through these, um, 
Yeah, these ups and downs, like you said, he he has the whole range of the hermit, like you said, like the de- like the delusions or the withdrawal and the isolation, uh, the gl- the going clear mode, like is him not in a good mental state. Mm-hmm. And then when he comes up out of that other side of that, um, with Eastman's help particularly, then yeah, his mantra changes. And yeah. he tries to spread that. And he's uniquely set in that particular um, way of thinking and trying to teach that to, like, everybody else and stuff. Mm-hmm. And the, the things that he learns from Eastman are so pivotal to every decision he makes after that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the fact that the the cell wasn't locked and Eastman's like, you had you had every opportunity to, to walk out anytime you wanted to. You just didn't even try. Yeah. And, and that's part of that, that choice of being on your own. And when he finds out that the, the cell isn't locked and he still chooses to go in there and close the door and then Eastman like goes over and opens the door again. Yeah. And he even, um, just to skip, a, skip ahead a little bit too, he goes off on his own before All Out War ends, right? He, okay. he goes to the junkyard and tells Janice or, yeah, to to go and he'll stay there and then you know so he yeah like you said he like self-isolates himself to figure out his own stuff figure out his own path like he definitely does not run with the crowd yeah you know even he kind of does the same thing with carol too where he's like i'm i'm done with my hermit time it's your turn or it's your turn to rejoin society and I need to be by myself. Right. And it like relieves them of duty. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then he goes off and he becomes, you know, a prime situation over at, on fear. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yay, Morgan. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I do love that Rick and everybody comes to try to keep Morgan from leaving. Yeah. I think it, at least like, even though he has the herm- hermit hermetic <laughs> tendencies <laughs> um that he still you know has a place in everybody's heart and they still think about him and and that's part of the the voluntary aspect of it too is knowing that you have a place to go back to yeah once you've, you've completed your journey or or learned your lessons or whatever Definitely. Uh, anything else to uh, add? Um, Morgan as guide, teaching Benjamin how to use the staff, and then teaching Henry how to use the staff, mm. and then teaching Lydia how to use the staff. Yeah. Definitely. And, and the staff as that um, representation of his ideals, of his moral center what he believes and um that staff having when jesus tells him you know use this end for the dead and this end for the living yeah and i love that that phrasing because it's like the two sides of morgan's nature the polar opposites yeah 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 and just having to realize you know what yeah, you have these these abilities to kill if need be, but you choose when to use those abilities. 
Yes. Mm. And I think that's really what his his seclusion is really about, is figuring out timing, which, you know, again, very hermity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the follow time aspect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Um, I'm going to go ahead and segue into my my first point. So keywords of wisdom and retreat. I kind of have Carl here, right? Mm. In uh, season eight, episode nine, he says to Sadiq that sometimes children have to show their parents the way. Mm -hmm. And so... So his his wisdom in this case comes from the form of cautiousness um, by examining, like, everything that's happened in the past. What worked, what didn't, what he wants to do differently. He found the light in his center and kind of made peace with the way that the world is, but also made more so made peace with seeing it for what it is. Mm-hmm. This is his small way of making a change. And so in the plan where he decides to tell all the members of Alexandria to go into the sewers, it's mm-hmm. that it's that hermit going underground kind of mm-hmm. that kind of aspect of it. And guiding others. Right. He becomes the yeah. guardians of the residents of Alexandria, um, leading them into essentially a cave as a refuge during a time where the veil is very thin between victory and defeat. Mm-hmm. And more specifically for Carl, um, even like going like a section more meta in, is the in-between time uh, of beginning and endings. Um, allegorically, Carl as the hermit is followed into the cave uh, by Cerberus, right? The Hound of Hades, because while he is carrying the torch for everybody that's alive, in the looming problem is that he was bit, the flesh-devouring walkers, right? (laughs) While not physically present in the sewer, is present. And it it, it's like hanging over everybody's head. Like, they're down there, they're safe, they feel safe, and then they find out that he was bit. So it's like Mm -hmm. the Cerberus kind of follows him now. If I'm thinking about that, right, I try to do research. Listen, I'm not, like, the greatest. (laughs) But flesh-devouring, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, he did get bit, and that plays a big part in in that scene. Mm-hmm. So it's like a revelation for everybody after they're already kind of in there feeling sort of safe-ish. Um, and then just prior to this, Carl is also on his own solo mission and provides refuge for Sadiq down there. Right? He mm-hmm. knows that he's bitten, but he chooses to spend his time wisely and well and with those that he loves and cares about before he knows his own time is due to be expired. Um, it's like the culmination of his journey um, and this is for Carl's character arc. It's the end of his time, right? It's the why. It's the culmination of everything. The he's reflecting back on everything that's happened, and he makes these choices that that come to this point. And I just think it's so kind of visually beautiful that it, it does end up kind of in this hermit situation. Because mm-hmm. even though he's young, it's like an old soul in a young body. Yeah. You know, he's telling Michonne and Rick, like, this shit got to end. Yeah. Like, this war's still going on. Why? What are we doing? You know, he he comes to this realization. Well, and the the fact that um, Rick asks him, you know, oh, you, did you know that Sadiq was a doctor when you saved him? And he's like, no, that wasn't the point. Right. Yeah. I know. Oh, it's crazy. 
And then, yeah, because separately uh, or just outside of this particular kind of scenario for Carl, which is like kind of his end, you know, he just kind of grew up without in a certain social social isolation, like peer social isolation of oh, like yeah. people who were his own age uh, because of the unique cir- circumstances of the post-apocalyptic world. Right. Yeah. So he had to he had to grow up faster. He had to be wise to still have been alive up to up to that point. Um, so that's kind of another like little mark for for Carl as hermit. But I really just got like the whole going down the cave and yeah, and this little light of mine. And he gives Judith the the hat and he passes that mm-hmm. quote torch the light to her. what it has before it was mine. No, it's yours. I don't know, just... Just having it, it, it always kept that with me. It made me feel as strong as him. It helped me. Maybe it'll help you too. Before mom died, she told me that I was gonna beat this world. I didn't. But you will. And and all the letters to people, including Negan, I know. you know, saying like these are my last thoughts, these are what I my my beliefs, and I want to pass that on to you before I exit. Yeah, he brought the thoughts down into matter, mm-hmm. in case he didn't have. Yep, yep. So I I just think it's a really beautiful kind of representation of the hermit in a in a scene or an episode. Yeah, um, and it kind of just hinges on Carl. Yep, yeah, I'm done with that point. <laughs> well, that segues nicely into my next point okay. of uh, Enid. Oh. And she starts off in a forced solitude. Like, she's out in, out outside. Um, you know, there's, like, the inside and outside versus, you know, society versus not society. Yeah. Before she gets to Alexandria, um, it's not self-imposed. Her parents have died. She's just surviving somehow. Mm-hmm. And uh, when she gets to Alexandria, you know, first of all, she doesn't speak for like three weeks. She's still kind of processing and chooses to go outside the walls to spend time out there because society still doesn't feel quite right. So she has to self-impose that solitude before she can fully embrace being part of society. Mm. And it goes back to that... um, seemingly outside forces that kind of turn you around in um in this case turning her hermit card upside down you know reversing it getting back into society and it's carl who does that that they go out together and she's suddenly realizing you know through seeing the two of them out there through his eyes that this isn't what she wants when she says i don't want to be out here anymore i don't want to i don't want to do this yeah. 
And when he says, you know, well, she's, she asks why we're still coming out here. And he's like, we're kids. And she's like, no, we're not. Like realizing I'm an adult. I have to accept responsibility for things. I have to be a part of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, Ina's a good one. She is a little bit uh, off center outside of, well, yeah, it's just the way that she's processed it. She has that, that hermit tendency mm-hmm. for sure. And, it, you know, going out there to face the monsters and to know yourself against mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then about the same time that she decides she doesn't want to go out there anymore is when she realizes that the monsters are still inside the walls because that's that's when Pete, yeah, the whole thing with him goes down. Right. Um, so, you know, that that realization of no matter where you go, there you are. That you just have to accept the lessons are going to be there whether you isolate yourself or not. Yeah, definitely. And to just recognize that and, and try to learn from it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Enid's a good one. Plus, I just love Enid. <laughs> yeah, because she even, she takes off by herself to go be with Maggie at Hilltop. She doesn't ask, yep. like, permission or she's just like, I'm going. That's where. Yeah. And she just takes off. You know, now that I think about it. I don't think anybody even really asks about her besides Carl going to, like, try to help her get there. Yeah. Right? I mean, she's not anybody's responsibility at any point. Like, when she's – when they're, like, first getting there and they're like, you know, who do you live with? And she's like, well, I mean, I stay with this person, but not, it's not like a family Ooh. thing. Yeah, but you know what I mean, right? Like, she, even though she's, like – um She's not a child child. She's still young. Like, she's still... Mm -hmm. Nobody asked about her. It's kind of like nobody asking about Heath. What happened to Heath? Yeah. So I don't mean to segue (laughs) there, but it's, like, one of those, like, where the dialogue in the show kind of, like, leaves you going, really? Like, nobody asked about Enid? There's no telephones. I guess maybe Carl told somebody that Enid went to Hilltop, I guess. I'm going to just hope that Carl did that for her. (laughs) 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 anything else to add to that point no i don't think so okay um so my second point um i chose the word reflection and and rick so this one's a little bit on the short and sweet side but um because in the show our characters don't really look at themselves or have opportunities to look at themselves in the mirror too often, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I just picked two two moments. So Rick has a, a few good moments of reflection. Um, and so the first one is like when they first get to Alexandria and Rick sees his reflection in the mirror, um, like when he's getting ready to take a shower and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like he just doesn't recognize the man in the mirror. At that point in his brain, he is still officer friendly. Mm-hmm. And then he sees himself and he just sees like this, you know, wild mountain man <laughs> in the mirror. Like I can just imagine. What like, is it Michelle says when she hands him the razor, your face is losing the battle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I bet that that was kind of jarring for him to come to terms with that version of himself in the mirror, you know, mm-hmm. and what he looked like and then all the things that he did to even get to a point where he could see himself in the mirror like that. Mm -hmm. But the better reflection, the more I feel like deeper 
uh, reflection point for Rick here is the moment in season eight, episode two, when Rick looks himself in the mirror in baby Gracie's room after he just killed her dad. Mm -hmm. I feel like all in one glance, he is reflecting on how hard that he fought the governor at the prison to protect his family. And now in this moment, he has done exactly the same thing and become the monster he has been trying so hard to not become Mm -hmm. and fighting against because he wants what they have, no sharing and no prisoners. Mm -hmm. And... Andrew Lincoln's eye acting is just all the life, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just can see the reflection and his brain turning in that. It's such a brief moment, but he's like, oh, dang it. <laughs> he's looking at baby Gracie like this is baby Judith. He's yeah. thinking about how crazy the governor came in. He came in with a tank and all this kind of stuff. And essentially, yeah. that's what they're doing here. And yeah, I just, I think it's a, it's when Rick starts to, I don't know, because he's able to like recognize that in himself, he shifts a little bit. Like it's a Mm -hmm. smidgen of a, of a shift because he's like, okay, now babies are being affected, you know? Um, And then he's able to look at himself critically. Yes. Yes. And not like shy away from that. Yeah. To be able to say, okay. This is the decision that I made, and I have to live with the consequences. Right. Um, Which is interesting because when Shane gets back after getting the medical supplies for Carl in season two, oh, yes. he also has that moment of looking in the mirror and oh, not yeah. recognizing himself and then shaving his head to escape that. Right. So, like, that's not who I am. I'm, I'm disavowing that that happened. Oh, that's a good. Yeah, I forgot about that. That I was trying to think of other mirror instances. That's good. That's a good one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Shane disassociated. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Rick has on different occasions acknowledged that he knows that he, there's a monster inside him. You know. Yeah. Um, but I think and it's like embracing the shadow. That, y- yeah. Uh, Shane just identifies with the shadow mm-hmm. and is totally okay with it and. Rick is like, yes, that's a part of who I am, but that's not all of who I am. Right, right, right. And I think, yeah, I just, in terms of reflection, though, like just for the character, like the internal, the external, the actions that are being happening, it's a really good moment of reflection for Rick as a character, for us as an audience as well, because we've we've come all this way with this character. Mm -hmm. And if we can't see that when he looks in the mirror then what are we watching? Like we should be able to like pick all the, all that little nuance up. Like this is exactly mm-hmm. what happened, but I'm done with my, my point about, um, you know, it's pretty concise reflection and Rick and, and how that is a uh, hermity. Yeah. Uh, con- concept. <laughs> uh, my next point is, uh, societies, whole groups of people that, um, decide to go kind of hermity. <laughs> okay. So Oceanside and Terminus. Hmm. And both of those decisions come from a place of fear. Um, it's having witnessed the worst of society. And well, um, 
deciding to to take themselves out of of that society and and to be alone and to lick their wounds essentially right um, that they they've lost the curiosity about the world that they, it's just the, this is what i've seen and it's not good and i need to get away from that mm-hmm. and um they're they're withdrawing but it's not an introspective withdrawal. Mm-hmm. They're not thinking about why they're off on their own. They're not thinking about how long they need to be there, or what they need to learn from the situation. They're just not willing to be a part of that. Right. And the fact that they're not thinking about it, especially with Terminus, where they're, you know, just knee-jerk reaction, this is what happened to us, therefore we're going to do this in response instead of really looking at like, okay, why did this happen? What is the lesson to be learned from this? How can we do things differently, but still maintain our optimism? Um, They just, they give up taking in people aside from for food. Right, right, (laughs) right. Oh, I understand what you mean. Yeah, and like like closed societies that also have friend, friend, well... Oceanside is not really a fringe practice too much. They just don't like outsiders. Yeah, they're they're afraid. Yeah. And it's that um going back to the the cave idea mm-hmm. of um Plato's cave and um Oh the shadows. Yeah. On the wall. Yeah. That that feels very oceanside to me. Oh. Like they've seen things and they're, you know, just trying to get away from it and here comes Team Rick, like, but there's all this stuff going on, and they're like, no, 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 we can't be a part of that. We don't want to be a part of that. That's we removed ourselves from that. Right. They went back into the cave. They saw the sun. They saw the real shapes, and they're still like, nope, too much. Can't do it. Right. And then, especially figuring that Rick's crew comes in pretty big and mm-hmm. a little grandiose, I guess you can say in in introduction. Do you know? Um, mm-hmm. That they're like, oh, if they're still fighting the saviors, like, what difference are we going to make? Yeah. You know, the shadows are even bigger for um, Oceanside. The grandmother, the mother. Yeah. Um, and having to overcome their fear in order to rejoin society. Mm-hmm. But that's the real lesson that they have to learn is, you know, if you're going to be safe, you have to be around people. Yeah. And it's always that outside, you know, seemingly outside force that brings people back into society, whether that's Carl with Enid or Eastman with Morgan or Tara with Oceanside. Mm -hmm. There's always, you know, and and if you don't accept that and and embrace going back, you end up like Terminus. You just crash and burn. Right. Oh, that's good. Really good point. Uh, yeah, I didn't even consider like the the societies and stuff that uh that are like that too. Well, yeah, and even just to add on to that for a second, even the like the workers in the sanctuary. Yeah. They they are like <clears throat> there's a little system and <clears throat> excuse me, there's a little system that yeah, Negan put it in place and all this kind of stuff, but they're completely isolated from everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't know that there's other ways of doing things. 
out there and it's like a willing ignorance to accept well I don't want to say willing ignorance a little bit of a willing ignorance I guess is they know that they're not getting like I guess fair wages if you will you know (laughs) for lack of a better term but they don't have to worry about the walkers and all that kind of stuff I mean to an extent there's definitely like no OSHA when it comes to the sanctuary like yeah if you're like when he sends people out to um to set the trap and it's like yeah they're all gonna die yeah like these these people are no longer people they're cogs right exactly the workers don't even get to have names they have numbers yeah that's what i mean there's like a certain kind of being willing to accept it that way though you know sure it, it it definitely has a odd isolation like you said minus your own name and you're just a number now that's, and you accept it that you're like okay yeah it's 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 odd but that's also just like a like a fringe a fringe group <laughs> that could be considered isolated from everything else because when we talk about the saviors we're usually talking about the gunmen and not mm-hmm. the workers yeah so yeah okay um i don't really i don't have anything else to to add to that yeah that's all my notes okay <laughs> I'll move on to my third point. So I'm going to get a little bit, I don't know if it's extra or not, but I just want to talk about the hermit in reverse. Um, So exile, isolation, loneliness, feeling rejected, and Negan. After Mm. the all-out war, Negan's character is definitely a picture-perfect version of the hermit in reverse. Mm-hmm. In order to end the war, the saviors essentially have to relinquish or exile Negan, uh, rejecting his authority and his place throughout all of the communities. The Alexandrians lock him up in a single man cell, which is solitary confinement, a long st- stint in experiencing isolation. During his time locked up, he reflects, has withdrawals about his retirement as the liege lord of the land, and then begins to suffer a serious depression, as we see when Maggie comes to Alexandria to come to kill him and realizing he's not the same person. Mm-hmm. After the time jump, we see that they include a window to the cell to let in a little bit of light into his into his cave of imprisonment which means that he was in the dark for a really, really long time. Mm-hmm. And Judith becomes his metaphorical lantern, giving him hope and reason and purpose to atone for what he has done. I didn't really get a chance to figure out if he was locked up for about nine years before he was released. Just, I can't figure, I know we had a six-year time jump, and then he was locked up for a, a year, two years. I think that's where the time, so, you know. Maybe it was seven. Maybe it was nine. Can we just say it was nine? I'm going to go ahead and say yeah. <laughs> Can we just say it was nine and be happy with that so it just fits the hermit better? And then lastly, as far as symbols of the hermit, um, we you know we have the hermit and his staff. Now, in the Book of Thoth, Crowley says that the hermit's wand is actually growing out of the abyss and is the spermatozoan developed as poison and manifesting the fetus or the foetus or whatever, however he says it, you know. But I was thinking, I was contemplating on this and 
the thought of the combination of the egg and the sperm um, is that Negan's wand slash staff is is his baseball bat. It's made of wood and he's mm-hmm. always had carried it in his hand and his hand is always open basically looking for it. He clearly has a name for it. He's named her named it Lucille. And Lucille grew out of the abyss of his late wife's death. And mm-hmm. instead of it becoming a tool for creation, it became a tool of destruction. So notably, after he's in prison, he never gets Lucille, his, his wand or bat back after he is released from prison. And thusly never returns to his former glory of mm-hmm. Neganism. <laughs> and my point is done. <laughs> I always found it really interesting that he has the one glove for the Lucille hand. That it, he's not directly touching the bat. Yeah. I thought that was really weird and interesting. Huh. I'm not sure what the symbolism is there, but because, something that I noticed. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not the most well versed on like um like the Hebrew attributions, like, you know. Um, yeah. but isn't the yod like the open the open hand or something? Don't come for uh, me, y'all. <laughs> I would have to look it up. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'd have to ask, I'd have to pull in an expert uh, tarotista here <laughs> too. But uh, but yeah. So I found as I was contemplating this, I was like, oh man, Negan has a legit hermit reversed consolidated set of circumstances that just play mm-hmm. really well to the to the card. Yeah, you have the widower a- aspect, you have mm-hmm. the wand, you have um which we which, you know the leather jacket almost like robes. Like you never see him without the leather jacket until That's true. His power is taken away. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then the flesh devouring Cerberus thing uh she he's always talking that um Lucille is like a vampire bat and she's thirsty, you know, which I mean, in so many words, it's like, you know, it takes flesh from people's bodies. So, yeah, there's that fun little doodad. But, uh, but yeah, as I sat with that and I was like, man, this is really poetic. I know I always gripe about Negan all the time, but I was like really surprised to be able to like consolidate so much information. Right. He's a very interesting character. Like, there are a lot of different aspects to him. Yeah. He's he's one of the more real people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. All right. Wait, you started... Did you do your third point? Yeah, that was the communities. Oh, snap. I, I, well, I don't have anything much more to add on my third point. <laughs> okay. Do... Um, all right, so let's uh, see if we have any additional notes, like stuff we could kind of shimmy through, shimmy, shimmy through <laughs> real fast. <laughs> I think so. For just some quick fire, like quick rapid things, um, clearly we have Gabriel alone in the church when mm-hmm. we first meet him, um, and he's in there for a long time by himself. It's almost like a willing isolation. Oh, for sure. I mean, he locked that door purposefully. Yeah, yeah. And he was studying, right, the Bible. He was, like, writing the Bible longhand mm-hmm. and to keep himself kind of situated. So, and the virus came and ate all, the flesh-devouring thing followed him. 
Mm-hmm. Right. All his congregation turned. So that was kind of cool. I, I really hope I'm saying this right. But y'all could correct me, but just don't come for my life. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is just based on the research that I did. <laughs> um, I'm really stuck on that word because it just works for this show. So then there's Bob on the road. Um, He was alone. Yeah, he's, he's very um, hermit reversed for me. That he that is not a self-imposed isolation. Like he keeps losing people and he's yeah. very good about it. Yeah. He wants to be back with people. Definitely. But he does definitely fit. Uh we also then we have Virgil. Oh yeah. And he is on this island alone and he he chooses the ISO. I mean, part of it is he did lose people. He lost his family. But then the other people that he was with, he locked them up. Yeah. So he chose this kind of isolation for himself and just doesn't know how to deal. Carol and Daryl, um, they both go off on their own in different mm-hmm. uh, character story arcs that kind of happen throughout the show mm-hmm. uh, where they they make these choices to be by themselves for one purpose or another. Yeah. Without getting into details. <laughs> I really like that the first time that Carol goes off by herself, she ends up at the um, the law office where she stayed with Sophia when they, when they left Ed at one point. Yeah. And she's isolating herself to confront her past. Yes. You know, going back there as a different person mm-hmm. and – and while she's there and she sees the smoke and that's what's like, okay, I got to get back out to my people. Yeah. Um, and even when we first meet Michonne too, it's kind of like what happened with Bob, right? She just, she lost her people and then yeah. she was wandering by herself for a long time. Uh, a little, like in a daze kind of. Um, what about Jesus? Not a physical um, withdrawal, but doesn't want to, really be completely a part of Hilltop mm-hmm. for quite a while. Mm-hmm. He'd rather be out, you know, finding people and talking to other communities and being more of a liaison than being part of the community. Even though everybody's like, you're already a part of it. Right. And they want him to be a leader. Yeah. But he could like go to almost any of the communities. And if you wanted to like crash a week there, it, yeah. it like no question. Yeah. Like sort of a wandering hermit. Yeah, like the wandering aspect yeah. of the hermit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. And Aaron is like that too. Mm-hmm. Cuz he same thing, he's out there looking for people. He even though he considers himself part of Alexandria, it's still he can't sit still in there. He needs to go. And it's that that idea of sort of relieving people of their own hermit phase, going out and bringing them back into society. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah, definitely. Oh, and Princess. Oh, I love Princess. Princess was by herself in that city. It got a little bit weird. <laughs> I mean, she's... Anakin's. Oh, my God. It got a little bit weird. Yeah, she, like, <laughs> staged up... She staged up all the the zombies. Like, I like the one where... <laughs> where the where she's getting a parking ticket. Like, one zombie's yes. doing the parking ticket and the other zombie's getting pulled over. Like... Or whatever. I'm like, oh my god. 
And Ezekiel just need too much time on her hands. Ezekiel cracked up so hard, and that always makes me laugh just as hard. It's pretty great. I'm sure there's a couple of other instances where people are isolated because it's just like the way the world is. But those are those are the big ones that I got. Mm-hmm. Yep, I do not have anything else. Yeah, I think that's about it. <laughs> you know, I really thought we were going to riff about Morgan much, much more than we did, but. It was pretty concise. Yeah. I feel like we hit, the, we hit the points. Yeah, definitely. All right. So discussion question. What is it about being alone that makes self-reflection possible? Yeah. C- contemplate it. Consider it. Journal about it. Talk to your friends about it. Or. Do your own thing. <laughs> Don't worry about it. But that is our question. You are the hermit. Do you. Do you. Yeah, do you, boo. <laughs> and, of course, uh, please chime in. We'd love to hear from you on what other insights you might have um, to add on to about the hermit and the walking dead that we may have missed or overlooked. Don't forget to subscribe so you know when we have uploaded a new episode. We can be found on all of your major podcatchers. Spotify still being spotty, y'all. Working on it. And additional information for this episode can be found on our website, tarenerds.com, in case you want a quick reference to the topics discussed. And don't forget to sign up for the newsletter. More things are coming on the website. It's on the way. It's being worked on in the background. Promise, promise, promise. And we hope you found this episode insightful and fun. Thank you for listening to TV and Tarot Talk. No matter where you are, don't forget to take some time out of your week to chill, chill, chat, chat, and Tara. Catch you on the next episode. Peace. Say bye, man. Bye.